Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. <laughs> I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. <laughs> Those giggles you hear are the signs of a of a pre-show huddle that uh, just turned into a real friendship. Oh, don't worry. I will Guys... go through in silence everything. <laughs> People just, just feel like, say, what are you? I'm, I'm glad that after all these years of doing the podcast, we're finally friends. <laughs> that we finally melted that ice. <laughs> You like superhero movies? I well, like superhero we... movies. I sometimes like superhero movies. I never like superhero movies. Let's talk about them incessantly. <laughs> I like three and hey, not even those. You know what we're you know what we're skipping this week is a superhero movie because we've already talked about it before on the podcast, and we are talking sure about did. the prestige. Aha. What are you talking about? It's got Wolverine and Batman and Alfred and oh, Black Widow. And uh, she was supposed to be the bad guy in Iron Man 3, but <laughs> Rebecca Hall's here too. <laughs> Hyper, We got Coyote Ugly in it. That was probably about a superhero. We've got two Alfreds in this movie. That's right. We have Actually, two Alfreds. Technically three because Christian Bale's character is named Alfred. That's, That's true. David Bowie was Starman. That's probably yeah. a superhero. I mean, David Bowie was a superhero in real life. Let's so. be, I must be honest. Um, <laughs> yes, we're talking about the prestige. <laughs> yeah. We got every superhero in this movie. Ant-Man's in it. <laughs> you can't see him because right, he's so small. Right, yes. <laughs> he's running around. I'm going to help with the trick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's the, I love he's that the real part. secret. <laughs> he's, he's what the entire time, the, the secret that's driving Hugh Jackman crazy that yeah. he can't figure out how uh, Borden does his trick. It's It's because Ant-Man's something i don't know right pin particles <laughs> <laughs> he's borden is borden is shrinking down holding on to the ball as he throws it and then reappearing mm. on the other side right right it's good it's a good movie great trick. totally totally works yep quantumania <laughs> i haven't seen it um oh, i can't wait to give it a d the Prestige from 2006, directed by Christopher Nolan. It has a 76% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 92% audience score. Wait, did you say 76? That is correct. I did see that. Now, I was looking at. that being said, when I went to go check the, the Rotten Tomatoes scores right before we start recording, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is right now uh, in maintenance. <laughs> so I could not directly access the Prestige page. So I'm pulling these scores from Rotten Tomatoes, or not Rotten Tomatoes, Google search results i believe that is correct though i think this is one that yeah. was like for whatever reason oh wow was, like is it back up did it fix itself no no, no. I was like, metacritic has a 66 that's wild i think a lot of people were genuinely confused by the plot mm. and like where it ends like when it first came out yeah yeah well i mean which is wild because i feel like this is one of those movies that over time has gotten so yes. much more like as people went back and rewatched it and saw that much like the prestige he, the he's giving you the answer to the entire movie like yeah. it's always right there um which is one of the things i like about it is that the first time you watch it you don't know how obvious it is and then when you rewatch it you're like he, literally every scene the clue is so there yeah um it's just he's just very good at hiding it yeah i'll go ahead and get this out of the way this is my favorite christopher nolan movie um i think this is kind of all the right elements are in place where I think the nonlinear structure works very, very well. Um, I think his storytelling ambitions are like right. They're like perfectly mm-hmm. synced up with the material. 
Um, everyone's giving great performances. Um, it's definitely got the scope um, just in terms of like an epic movie that feels big. Um, it's got all all the, the, the hallmarks of Christopher Nolan and it doesn't feel overbearing to me. No. Um, but I am one of those people that, I mean, I watched it when I was a kid, basically. Um, when I was like 10 or 11 and I didn't get it and I didn't really like it. I was like, oh, I, I cloning. Oh, okay. I guess whatever. And then cloning? I cloning. <laughs> but then I watched it. Like so- on, like on Camino. <laughs> uh, that, that's such a spot on impression of me as an 11 year old. Um, I'm Alex. <laughs> but then I watched it a few years later. I was like, oh, I get it. This is, this is awesome. I love this movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, much much better than the Living Daylights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally the know. only two films I had seen up until this point. Yeah. <laughs> Rough childhood. a lot, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, <laughs> is that the one where Robert Davi pushes somebody into a tank of piranhas? That is License to Kill, and he pushes oh, okay, okay. uh somebody into a shark, not piranhas. Oh, six of one. I think that this explains why you're so afraid of water. <laughs> that watching That's movies true. of uh, people falling into stuff. Um, I I don't know what my favorite Christopher Nolan movie is, but I do think this is very high up there for me. It's it's a stellar piece of work. Not interstellar. Not interstellar. No, movie. this is all takes. This is all on Earth, yeah. or so we think. Oh, but I, I I like what you said, Alex, about it being epic because I I think it does feel very grand and sweeping, and yet it's very intimate. Like it is about yeah. It is about the lives of people who do not affect the world, right? This is not about saving right. the planet. This is literally <laughs> just about a couple of guys being mad at each other. Yeah, I, I like how it continues kind of the ongoing theme with Nolan's movies of very obsessive characters. Uh-huh. And the fact that you've got kind of dual protagonists in a way. Yes. I guess it's, I mean, technically yeah. you're dealing with three protagonists if you really want to to look at the movie literally. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, but yeah, yeah I, I really it took just me like... far too long to get what you're saying there. But like I, I... Andy Circus, <laughs> like I don't know that Michael Caine's into that much. I mean, <laughs> but the way that it's just structured, it's just beautifully done. And I, I don't know how much of this comes from the book that mm-hmm. it's based on. Yeah. Um, I would imagine Nolan kind of took it and Nolanized it. Yeah. Um, I like I, I don't know if like the nonlinear structure would be sure. in the book versus in the movie. I believe this just seems like such a Nolan movie through and through. So I was looking this up and I, my understanding is that the book is based. It's a, I forget what you call it. Is this, is diegetic the right word for this? I'm not sure it is, but it's a, um, I think the idea is that it's supposed to be, you're reading the, the diaries. Oh, okay. So okay. I, oh, uh, uh, I know what you're talking about. Epistolary. Yes. Yes. Like Dracula. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you're reading the, the diaries of the two, two magicians throughout the the period so i don't know exactly how that works or how that differs obviously that's in here there's narration there's a component of that um that has multiple kind of revelations for both characters um so i don't know how much of that is pulled or how much is is added but uh seems like a lot of the ideas are probably there uh yeah but we no one reads books anymore, so there's no way of knowing. <laughs> well, I found this book. It was about a young girl named Junie B. Jones, and there was a 
<laughs> a yucky, blucky fruitcake. And I thought, what if she was two magicians? <laughs> and the yucky, blucky fruitcake was death. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I sort of started coming up with a film called Jonah. And I said, look, come on. <laughs> yeah. But what is People the prestige? I know this, but uh, I did. Uh, Tinnit is based on a Roald Dahl novel uh, <laughs> that I grew up loving. Uh, it's called Charlie and the Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the boy who got everything he wanted? He went back in time a lot <laughs> and killed men guess, over and over and over. I guess the book is. The book is Willy Wonka? Willy Wonka? Or is the book. I think Charlie. The uh, book is Charlie. Okay, so I had it right the first time. Cool. Yep. Tell us the scenarios. And Interstellar is about a pet shop. <laughs> now, the littlest pet shop, if you will. <laughs> um. So the Prestige is uh, a movie with a synopsis, and that synops- synopsis reads thus: Period thriller set in Edwardian London, where two <laughs> rival magicians, partners until the tragic death of an assistant during a show, feud bitterly after one of them performs the ultimate magic trick: teleportation. His rival tries to desperately tries desperately to uncover the secret of his routine, experimenting with dangerous new science as his quest takes him to the brink of insanity and jeopardizes the lives of everyone around the pair. Wonky writing, but pretty accurate. Sort of AI vibes going on there, but a little bit. We'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Um <clears throat> No, this movie's great. I don't know how many times I've seen this, but uh I it had been a minute since I watched it the last time. Um, I, I do th- I think this is one of my favorite Christian Bale performances. I think this is one of the ones that first turned me on to how much I, I liked him. Yeah. Um, this and like the Batman stuff. And he did this movie called All the Little Animals that I liked a lot. Or that I liked him in a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, he's great. And Hugh Jackman's really good. And I really, I think, and, and they've talked about this themselves, that the casting is very intentional because... Christian Bale is much more of a uh, cerebral actor. He does a lot of intense research and mm. you know works on stuff away. And he's a very serious, like technical actor. And Hugh Jackman is much more of a pardon the pun showman. Um, who it's it's a it, he's a, a more expressive actor, and and I think is, is capable of giving very good performances. And I think he give I think he gives a very good performance in this movie. Um, and I didn't really think about it until I was watching it. I was like, oh, this was during X-Men. Yep. This was before he, like, before War Origins. Like, yeah. it's so easy for me to think that he just did X-Men movies and then did the rest of his career. But I was like, no, this was after X2. Like, this is very early. Yeah, this is a very strange release year for Hugh Jackman movies. Because he had The Prestige, of course. He had X-Men The Last Stand. And he had Darren Aronofsky's The Fountain. Huh. <laughs> When Which was flushed a... away? <laughs> oh, let me check. Maybe it was the same year. But I, I find that very interesting that he's got yeah. just this very weird set of movies that came out all in the same year. One, like, oh two, my I god, imagine... flushed away was two thousand six. There we go. There we go. So he's got two hallmarks of his career plus X Men and the Prestige. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> I, I still haven't watched The Fountain. Her. I gotta get on uh, this. The movie has. It's it's a cast that at the time I think you look at that and you you would go like wow 
what a really good cast. A lot of, a lot of great actors in there. And now looking back on it, when you watch it, I think this is one of the reasons why it is like why a it's gained in, in kind of popularity and attention and, and just traction in general with people, you know, now rating it as, as one of Nolan's best movies. I think a lot of that has to do with how like lucky we are and how lucky it is to have this cast and to have them all interacting yeah. and be just working with a director who is really good with actors. Uh, because it's a, it's a cast that you look at and you're like, yeah, that's a really good group. And then you look at what they've done since that movie. And it's like, these sure. are all mega stars and they're, they're huge stars who are not, they, they've got, they become huge stars by doing a lot of different things. They're not like, yeah, it's not like, Oh wow. Dwayne Johnson's in here. You know, we've got this big sure. action star. Cause Dwayne Johnson, I feel like yeah. is the only, action star i can really think of <laughs> that is I like you're right though like grown and that has like a type yeah but like there's yeah. you know oh. vin diesel Shh, is uh sure. tesla's assistant <laughs> yeah. yeah andy circus is just in here for a little bit it's like what yeah he's, and he's awesome yeah oh you're the great danton oh. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's very fun you know the one thing you uh, can't clone is family uh i just he, they go to get the cat, and he just puts Ludacris in the middle of the teleportation thing. It's his, it's his cross. It's, his, it's like <laughs> that. There it is. You there are it is. responsible for whatever happens to this animal, Doctor. <laughs> this is my friend Tej. I love him. <laughs> now it's me, Al Pacino. The Fantastic, or the Fantastic Four, Fast and Furious should do uh, should do cloning. I think that is, oh, is that'd be actually great. a pretty. Oh my natural. god. Because that's how they if? bring back uh, Gal Gadot, and you know, like then you get like you get Vin Diesel fighting Vin Diesel, which I think is his ultimate goal, probably. And somehow yes. they both win. Uh, but here's what I want so badly: I want evil. I want the evil version to have a goatee yeah. to show you that he's evil, Dom. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so just I want to. Oh I can my see God, it. Be so good. I can see it. Oh, that'd be awesome. Okay, yeah, I'm into it. Louie, um, I know you're still editing the movie frantically and you're pulling your hair out. Call us. We've got hey, ideas. You got, another, you got another plane ride in you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Real quick. Knock it out. We'll send you to Kansas City. Look, our, our our script is not like typed out. It's just written in crayon and it's on a bunch of sticky notes. <laughs> There's the sun. He's smiling. Um, I think that... Uh, <laughs> the Prestige is a good movie that we would... <laughs> <laughs> to tell it you is, about it is, a, this is a great film no i i do want to agree with your stuff about the cast um i i will say this first to get so that then i can say all the good stuff i i'm not wild about scarjo in this movie yeah. um i think that the accent it doesn't really work for me and you have like several people doing accents in the movie actually most mm -hmm. people except i think bale and uh 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 rebecca hall and michael kane um but I think her accent sounds the most like, I am an American being British, sir. Um, at times it works and at times it wavers and that's fine. But I think just in general, she she's just, I don't think she's like up to the caliber of the other people in the scenes with her. Sure. Um, she doesn't like ruin the movie for me at all. But like, I was thinking about this, if we still did best and worst, I would say she was my worst thing. Not because she is terrible, but because that's like the the clearest thing I can point to is like that, that doesn't quite mm -hmm. fit in my experience. But apart from her, Rebecca Hall is, I think Rebecca Hall is underrated in terms of how, how 
familiar audiences are with her, but like the industry people and film people are like, Rebecca Hall is amazing because she is. Yeah. Andy Serkis is great. We will, of course, talk about the two leads. Michael Caine, forget about it. He's Michael Caine. And Come on. I think I mentioned this to both of you, but David Bowie is the greatest stunt casting of all time. I'm, I'm <laughs> in this movie. I'm locking it in. Yeah. Like, it's just so. Uh, yeah. David Bowie as Nikola Tesla. Just like, hey, by the oh, way. No. But here's what I'm the in thing there. about. About, but I firmly believe that if David Bowie had never sung a note in his life and only did acting, he would still be a legend because he was such a good actor and not like, oh, you know, yeah. for a musician guy, he's a pretty good movie. No, like uh, Mostaf or Yasin Bey is like that. I think Sinatra was like that. Like uh, uh, David Bowie was a brilliant actor um, and and did really interesting movies. I mean, like, he's, he's great in Labyrinth, Zoolander. Sure. He um, uh he pops up in Twin Peaks. I think he pops yeah. up in Firewalk with me, and then yeah, he's, maybe there's like archival footage and the return. Um, but yeah, okay. like he just it's just like what? and he's great. It's in such a movie. random selection of things, and yeah, yeah, and it's such a performance that you would you could easily be like, oh, this is stunt casting, and at first you're like, okay, yeah. but very quickly you buy like that's the character. Mm-hmm. This is an actor playing a part. Like yeah, Ziggy Stardust and stuff, but no, that's just. You you very quickly accept that he's he is giving a very good performance. I, I like that he's not going over the top with it. It's a very no. understated performance, and it's like, oh you no, know, you can cast like a, a big star like that, and he, mm-hmm. he just like he shows up to work and he does his job and he inhabits yeah. the character like that. Yeah, um, definitely. Just circling back to Scarlett Johansson because I think it's really interesting. Obviously, we didn't do Batman Begins as a part of this series. Um, but I think one of the criticisms that many people would lob at Batman Begins and one of its weakest links would probably be Katie Holmes and her performance in that. Um, and I'm not sure how much of this is like the studio being like, you have to cast these particular actors for these particular parts versus Nolan being able to choose whoever he wants. Sure. Um, since, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really until Dark Knight where it's like, we give you a blank check, yeah. do whatever you yeah. want. Um, so I don't know what kind of limitations he had. Um, clearly, he has a lot of creative freedom, but I don't. I don't know where the line gets drawn. Um, yeah, especially I, with a movie like this, if they were like, "We need to sell this somehow." Well, yeah. here's yeah. ScarJo. Yeah, but I, I, I think she's she's solid in the movie, but it is a little distracting given just how wonderful literally everyone else is. is. And it's like, oh, she gives it like a, a, a perfectly fine performance when everybody else is like A plus. Yeah. And I think she's probably the one who's most hurt by what she's gone on to do because what what has she done up to this point? I mean like in terms of she had done a bunch of like like uh eight legged freaks. Um Home Alone <laughs> three. Okay. Home okay. Does she uh Ghost World, the Girl of the Pearl Earring? Right. I think Lost in Translation might be the big one. Yeah, that's Match probably point, the big maybe. one. Because she did a couple Woody Allen movies. I feel like when you was the was the island out at this point her big action movie. I believe it was. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like everyone you know kind of universally knows her and knows her as you know kind of actress. She does some drama stuff. She does some action stuff. But definitely knows her as an American actress. Like yes. through well, and, and, and at the time as a sex symbol. Sure. Yeah, and and I think like that. Looking back on it now, it's like not only is it distracting 
because it's not quite up to the level of everyone else, but it's also like, oh, we know that's not. <laughs> like, there are sure. some people who you hear and, you know, you might not have seen them in things. And you're kind of like, oh, that, that's yeah. cool. I didn't even realize that was not their accent or, uh, right, right. you know. I mean, talk, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale are both actors who a lot of the time don't use their natural accent and like yeah yeah you, know, you frequently people see him in interviews and be like what <laughs> like they talk this like one of the few t- i think this is one of the closest i've heard of christian yeah. bale just talking yeah um so uh, th- i and think like, that does yeah. that does stick out a little bit rebecca hall is someone so. who uh i thought i my brain had done a tyler because i was like scarlett johansson's in this right and then i was like am i thinking of rebecca hall am i has my brain just like Fizzled. i'm mixing up all my uh, iron man people. yes <laughs> and, and then she showed up and i was like oh, oh that's cool. true isn't it yeah i do remember um yeah. i uh oh, she's great speaking of that this is a <laughs> tricky movie to watch when you have seen it like five years ago sure. uh <laughs> because it is a movie that will make you constantly try to remember what the twists are for the first at least mm-hmm. for a little while Me too, <laughs> yeah. so you're like wait is that what's happening there is that what I don't remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like I remembered that Kristen Bale was playing twin yes. brothers and I knew to kind of look for those clues, which again, they literally have a boy after he does the trick of the bird, a little boy goes, but where's his brother? Mm-hmm. And they throughout the movie. And I love, 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 love when Rebecca Hall's like, well, today you love me yesterday. You didn't love me. And you think the first viewing the the reading of that is her going today. You're less obsessed with your job. You're more willing to give your time to your family and, it just kind of feels like ah, romantic movie he, sort of. He's constantly book. saying, and then you like, go, "Oh wow!" Yeah, he's constantly saying, "Like, well, a part of me thinks that I, you know, did this, and a part of me thinks I didn't, and mm-hmm. thinks I feel this way, and a part of me thinks I don't." It's it's all over, and you can tell in the performance. Yeah, I mean, it, when you're watching for it, you can see where he's he's got the one persona, which I don't. <clears throat> do they name the two twins ever? I mean, we just know about one's Alfred. Alfred, one's Alfred, and one's Fallon throughout. Um, but you can you can tell that kind of there's one persona that is more about the magic and about the tricks and is the one that yeah. that kind of has the the fling with Scarlett Johansson and is a little more flippant and a little more abrasive. And then there's another one who's a little more reserved and he's the one uh, who gets shot and like you, there's like it you can see it you can track exactly who he yeah. is in each scene when you're looking for it and there's almost always a clue. Um, it's it's fa- it's a amazing performance like when you watch it no keep that in mind you're like oh oh it's all there the way the way he plays when when she tells him that she's pregnant rebecca hall does and he goes oh we should have told fallon Mm, and he has this almost like like he doesn't not he truly doesn't care but he's you when you know to look for it he's going oh i'm the wrong you shouldn't be telling me yeah like (laughs) that you should be telling you're the one who actually wants to be and yeah it's it really is extraordinary and like i mean obviously christian bale is an extraordinary actor but like he just yeah he done done did it again i i feel like this this movie just with the premise being about magicians and playing tricks on everyone and the the illusion element of it like i feel like sometimes with with nolan movies and we'll we'll kind of explore this as we get further along and they just get bigger and bigger and more complicated um each one just is like it's like a puzzle box that just gets bigger and bigger every time Mm -hmm. um i feel like a lot of people could lob out the criticism of like oh these are just like overly complicated and to the point where it's like completely unrealistic but i think just the 
the fact that this is based on magicians, like the, that's the focus <laughs> right. of the story. Like it's just tailor made for oh, everyone's just tricking everyone. <laughs> like yeah. yes. both of them just write diaries just to spite the other person because they know they're <laughs> yeah. eventually gonna find it. It's awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I I really was was into the whole thing, and I realized that I don't know how many movies I have or haven't seen about magicians i know i saw the illusionist which is the other prestige sure <laughs> right um i don't remember it very well um I mean, i'm sure it was fine but uh that had edward norton and somebody else in it um but i i th- I think it's just a fascinating world i really loved and this is just how i've done community theater and stuff not to brag but <laughs> i really love all of the theater performances like I really liked seeing Ricky Jay from Deadwood. Um, and Tomorrow who, Never Dies. And Tomorrow Never Dies, which we've done on the podcast, uh, who is a magician by trade. And I liked, I, I, I just liked seeing the way each one of them put on a show that like the great Danton was doing these big bombastic like, and now I will give a speech and talk about the mysteries of the Orient and all this. And like when Christian Bale's performing in the alley and he's like, metal rings. <laughs> Now there's three of them. I, all right, somebody shoot me. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it's and such it, a different... I think my, and it all comes so from a character place. Yes. That's, yeah, that's what I really love about it. It's not just... Oh, and we've just got grandiose set pieces just for the sake of it. It all stems yes. from character. Yeah. Every Everything that... Ha- it's it's a very intricate plot that is totally driven by these exactly what these two characters want to do mm-hmm. the entire time. Like They have very clear yeah. motivations about how they're trying to... You know, and that obviously works for Christian Bale. Watching it again, especially when you understand his situation, is that you've got the one guy who's like obsessed, and he wants to beat Hugh Jackman. He wants to be the greatest magician. He he feels like he's been building this great trick for years with this this teleportation trick by bouncing the ball between the two twins, and then uh, his other half is really a lot more reserved he's creative but he's kind of just focused on the family and the mm-hmm. what what they build there and then hugh jackman is totally driven just like the the one part of alfie uh and you can see that the entire time like you can trace all these characters and exactly why yeah. they're doing the things they're doing throughout the entire movie it's it's crazy i think my maybe my favorite scene in the movie is uh when alfie uh, takes over Hugh Jackman's uh, performance. Oh yeah, where he he breaks in. He mo- because Scarlett Johansson goes to him uh-huh. and basically explains it to him. We find out later, but it's kind of implied already at the time that she goes to him and tells him like, "Your problem is your performance. Your performance is terrible. You're not building this up at all. You're not making something that's fun for the audience and, and engaging. And that's what that's why, even though your trick is better, it's not." it's not selling as well it's not being as as acclaimed um and so then she gets him kind of thinking along those lines and and then he breaks in he has this big persona he moves the uh the bed so that hugh jackman falls under the stage and breaks his leg uh and then he wanders onto onto the stage and fulfills the other end of the trick and it's it's so fun it's so good the the double they have for hugh jackman who is Hugh Jackman with a weird nose, which is great. Uh, he dangles down from the ceiling <laughs> and has a sign yeah. on him that says, like, the great Anton. Or... It's so Christian good. Bale's, Christian Bale's reaction when he picks up the top hat, yeah. and he's got this, like, ridiculous mustache, and he just looks up and he goes, oh, 
the great yeah. Danton. <laughs> it's it's yeah, beautiful. It there. was so funny. It it really was like getting dad to play with the kids. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I I really am impressed by how all of the stuff with Root, I think yes. is the name of Hugh Jackman's double, is not stupid and the of the like sore thumb of the movie because it could be so easy for that character to be too big yeah and for that subplot to seem too weird but it doesn't it's a nice red herring about well not really red herring about christian bale's Mm -hmm. trick and i i really like the way hugh jackman plays it when they first find him and he's drunk in the bar hugh jackman obviously comes from theater and so it's a very theater performance right it's very big it's like oh i'm drunk (laughs) what do you mean darling like all that stuff but then I love the way he plays Root when Root starts mm-hmm. messing with the performances. He comes out a beat, beat late and he like snaps his fingers and does this big like, aw, me, kind of look at the audience. Like, yeah. All of that leans on the, the part of Hugh Jackman that is so good in The Boy From Oz and Oklahoma and everything that makes him a successful musical theater performer. That, that I think really comes through in those scenes and is really great to watch. And so it's fun seeing Kristen Bale then come in and have to do that. And it's a little uncomfortable because it's uncomfortable for Alfred. Um, even down to the fact that his his ma- magician name is The Professor, <laughs> which is great and so dry. There's an episode of Bob's Burgers where they meet a magician whose name is um, like Mars Sazerac or something. And Bob goes, wow, that is a magic-y name. <laughs> and the whole time I was watching this, I was like, oh, The Professor. That's a magic-y <laughs> name. <laughs> so good. I, I really like how um, just the dryness with the names of like the, the trick is the transported man. Yeah. And then Hugh Jackman's spin on that is the new transported man. <laughs> and then Christian Bale goes, no, no, no. I'm going to do the original <laughs> transported man. Transported man original recipe. Yes. And, then, and then Hugh Jackman comes back. After years in America trying to get this cloning machine, and then he goes, "The transported man, supersized." <laughs> there's, this, I'm doing crunchitize me, transported captain. There's something. There's something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's something so brilliant about, and I think this does come from the book, if I understand correctly. But it's still, it's still just very good. The fact that Christian Bale is totally just breaking Hugh Jackman's brain by just having a twin and then he convinces him to go seek out tesla because tesla has the secret because they saw they saw tesla at a uh an exhibition where he was demonstrating his uh electric current and and how it was you know the way of the future uh and so he has planted the seeds there and then uh hugh japping goes off to america and spends years hunting down Tesla and actually gets Tesla to build a cloning machine to then take back to go to like, it's so bonkers. And it's like, Oh, I just, yeah, you, you, you said it was, (laughs) I went and got the cloning machine here. it is. Well, I I think it's easy to forget. He, he's, he's really just looking for a way to transport himself. That's all he's looking for. He just wants to figure out this trick. And I really like that Tesla says multiple times, he's like, these things never turn yes. out quite as you expect. Exact the- science is not an exact science. And the fact that it ends up creating a double 
and then thematically it's like oh he's become bored now now he has yeah. to deal with this but now he has to one 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 of them has to die yeah. after every performance the, now the fact that yeah, yeah he is he is literally killing himself every night when he walk and then he has the, the monologue towards the end where he says you know every time i walk in i don't know if i'm going to be the guy who stays yeah. there and dies and drowns in the box or if i'm going to get teleported away because my i split into two when that happens and right. one of me dies and one of me doesn't and obviously this one survived all that time like this this personality i guess or, or this version of him uh, survived through every was the one who teleported every time because that's just random chance but that is set up so obviously that it, it's shocking it doesn't i mean i'm sure you know some people watching this for the first time would catch it but like it takes so long for that to click of like oh that's what he was doing every night because even the i mean the very first shot of the movie if i'm not mistaken is a bunch of top hats sitting in a field yeah and we go find those top hats later on in the actual course of the plot uh the cat we see the cat teleport and become two cats and it goes through all that we see him about to try the cloning machine and he has a gun <laughs> it's like all right what's he gonna do with that uh but it's still never quite you never quite realize what he's going to do until we get to the end and we see we realize he's got the the tanks full of dead Hugh Jackman's and it's incredible and dark and very good. It's just, well, it's the movie's so good at misdirection mm -hmm. because it's constantly laying all these things right in front of you again, like always talking about how Borden is different and all these things. And where's his brother and you love me yesterday, but it's also constantly giving you other motivations and other storylines to follow without being too complicated. And again, misdirecting with like, oh, what's the what's the machine going to do? And this is a little science fiction-y now. And like, it's really good at pulling your attention away without forgetting any of those things and constantly being like, it's all here. <laughs> like, it's it's really, really impressive. I, one thing that I think I really picked up on watching this time is how well the movie starts with a small thing and then continues to spin that into a bigger idea that actually yeah. manifests in the plot. I think the really big thing for me is the, the, the arc of the bird and the, the bird yeah. being killed in the trick. And eventually that becomes Hugh Jackman is literally killed in the trick every time. Um, Cause I think Hugh Jackman is at the being like, I don't want to kill a bird and I don't want to yeah. do that. Can we find another way to. Yeah. And there's also like, we have the, uh, the death of his wife early on mm -hmm. and that's you know kind of playing into that of obviously she dies in the box because she drowns in the in the box of water and the way that continues expanding along with this narrative of or this this idea of Hugh Jackman basically refusing to be the person who's under the stage he talks he's like oh maybe yeah. maybe I could switch with root uh, and I could be the one who comes out sometimes like he's he's so obsessed with not being the person who's hearing the applause from under the stage. He wants to be there. He wants to be adored and kind of in person, to the point where he will literally murder his own clone every night, and yeah. maybe I mean murdering a part of himself every night so that he can go out and be the person who's in front of the stage while he literally dies under the stage. Like it's that's such a good kind of continual growth of. I think that initial scene of, of, okay, we've got the bird, the bird dies in the cage. And the trick is that we shuffle the cage away and then here's the new bird. Like it, it's, it's brilliant. It's such a cool 
idea that expands and works into these characters so well and creates such strong characters that are also cast so well and perform so well it's it's insane like i don't i don't know why this movie exists but i'm very glad it does <laughs> well, and I, one of my favorite shots of the movie is after maybe the first time they successfully do the new transported man um it's a shot of hugh jackman under the stage and the lights are all coming through the mm-hmm. slats of the wood and he just kind of spreads his arms out and bows like that's a beautiful shot um i also one of my favorite lines is when he's talking to Tesla and Tesla's like, have you considered the cost of such a machine? And he says, Oh, money is no object. And he goes, yes, but have you considered the cost and talk about understated, like so many, not even musicians, actors, so many performers would be like, have you considered the cost? And like really leaned on it. And Bowie just like kind of tilts his head, kind of, he does emphasize it, but not like caps lock, bold face, you know, he just kind of leans in a little bit and it's so it's just such curated acting. I love it. A lot of fun little set setups and payoffs throughout the movie. I mean, even just like small things like um the way that uh uh Hugh Jackman and Michael Caine kind of find each other with the yeah. uh card under the the mm-hmm. uh glass. That's neat. There's, there's mm-hmm. a lot of those little. Uh, the movie is just filled with that stuff, yeah. Um, and I really think this is kind of where, um, kind of the the idea of because like obviously we've talked about this before. Like some movies don't need to be like this. They don't need to have yeah. like this super tight plotting where it's like every scene matters and they're reinforcing ideas. Sometimes you can't just have no. A movie's just about atmosphere and you just yeah let's let it breathe and and whatnot and you know both options are are perfectly fine in their own ways and i think that this one kind of reinforced at least my interest in like this style of storytelling sure um because i feel like it's just so easy to get it wrong (laughs) and like there's just a lot of movies and particularly in the action genre because that's obviously nolan is big for action movies um that try and have intricate plotting like this and they just always suck. Yeah. Um, unless it's done by Nolan. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting how much this is still such a Nolan feeling movie. And yet. And really this, I mean, aside from some of the scenes in Insomnia that are not really like exquisite action scenes. Uh, the uh, Up to this point, you know, we haven't, we're not doing Batman Begins in the series, but of the movies we talked about, he does he hasn't really done a lot of, like, action action. Um, right. It's still just a lot of drama and, like, interpersonal moments. And, like, that's, I think it's a very interesting thing about his early career that he hasn't, I mean, it really, Inception will change everything as we will get to. Uh, and Batman Begins the Dark Knight, I guess. But I think Inception is the one that's like, oh, now he does action movies. Uh, right, because the superhero movie you're gonna get some punching. You're gonna get some punching, but Inception will, yeah, will kind of I think mark a decided shift there. Um, this is still very much like everything that happens in terms of action is very sudden. One of the the things that I think is uh, a very striking, horrifying moment from the movie is uh, when 
Michael Caine designs designs the bird cage that will allow for yeah. the bird to actually escape just fine. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he gets two volunteers to come and hold the cage to be like, oh, look at look at how amazing this is. I'm going to make the cage disappear. It's like this crazy mechanical contraption that goes onto his goes under his vest and is strapped to his back and everything. Um, and then uh, Alfred comes up the first time he tries to do it and breaks the cage and shatters the kills the bird and shatters the the bones of this poor woman's fingers uh and you know basically it's like yeah you can't the, you, there's no way to get out of this without you know getting your hands dirty because now you're in a rivalry with a guy who will kill birds and people's fingers i guess uh christian bale is at your theater yes um um but uh, yeah. yeah it's interesting how i think all the violence in this is very shocking and upfront you know Alfred gets shot. Very telegraphed. Oh, yeah. oh and the, oh god! And when they pro, when they chisel yes. the twins' fingers but, off. Uh-huh. But to kind of uh, reinforce the point that I brought up last week, this is PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like it is fairly dark. Like it it, <laughs> it it doesn't like hide a whole lot of stuff. I mean, it does hide you know where it needs to, but it's not like this is like a super gory film. Right. Um, but each of the moments, like they're short and they're impactful. Yeah. Um, like uh, Hugh Jackman shooting off uh, Borden's fingers. Mm. Um, oh, is there's a very quick moment where you just see blood running from from one of his fingers, and then that's that's like all you see, and it's like, oh, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I think that, is Dunkirk PG thirteen. I think the rest of his movies are PG thirteen. I think Dunkirk might be. Okay. I think that's yeah. a weird thing about Dunkirk. <laughs> yeah. Is that a, it's a war movie that doesn't quite go there. Um, I, I just think it's interesting that he's able to keep that yeah. level of restraint. And it's like, no, I don't need to go over the top. Yeah. yeah. The violence will be impactful enough for you to, to you know, feel the weight of, of what's going on. Um, but we don't really have to indulge in it all that much. I think he's some, he is somehow able to get away with that. And I, I still don't get that because I, you know... I, it might have been last week when I mentioned this, but like the X-Men movies with Wolverine, like hacking and slashing yeah. away and it's like, Oh, there's no blood. And that doesn't make any sense to me. And it bothers me. Um, but like, I feel like if Christopher Nolan did a Wolverine cutting people up scene, like I probably wouldn't be bothered by yeah, it. He'd probably find it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think well, there's it, it, also the, the, the difference between a movie pretending like there isn't blood and a movie just not showing yes. you. That's a good yes. point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like, it, in order to pull that off, it takes a lot of work to make yeah, that to make yeah. the shot work. Whereas, oh I, yeah, the, the editing has got to be so the precise. the editing, the you know effects you're using, like it all has to nail it exactly, and the the action has to look just right to where you can see how that would happen if you got to watch that scene a second longer. Uh, and I think a lot of the time, movies that are going for that PG thirteen rating are more just like, all right, just just punching. Let's do some punching and move on with our lives uh, and not, you know, put that much thought or effort into it because we got a million other things to deal with. Um, But that's that Nolan is about the detail. That's what he wants to get into. So, yeah, um, I think restraint is a good word for a lot of this movie because it really is a movie that feels like it could fly off the rails at any moment. I mean, the, the movie is a magic trick. It is like. The fact that this movie works is because it is constantly figuring out exactly how far to take 
a particular scene, like how long to spend on exposition and character work and like how long to make, just how long to make the scenes last so that it all fits together into this nice, neat flashback extravaganza. Um, which I guess it, there's not a ton of jumping around in time. We, we get the framing device of, um, I guess it's kind of like we get the framing device of Borden in jail. We see that he goes to jail. We get the framing device of him reading, uh, I keep calling him Hugh Jackman. What's the guy, the character's actual name? <laughs> Uh, Robert Angier. Angier. There we go. That's the, yeah. Um, or Lord Codlow. Or the great Which guy. is that's Which great. is another great setup and yes. payoff. It's, uh, once again, it comes from a character place. You start off with, oh, Hugh Jackman had to change his name because so, his family was embarrassed that he was a magician. And then it ends up being like, oh, that's, the, this is the secret rich guy who's like been pulling the strings yes. while Borden's rotting in prison. Yes. Oh, it's great. Because, well, and it works because the entire time you think Hugh Jackman's dead until we get far enough along yeah. that you realize, oh, wait, there's a cloning machine involved. <laughs> like, it, yeah, uh, it's, it's wild. Um, but yeah, we have that framing device uh, of Borden reading Andrew's diary, which includes the framing device. Uh, or not framing device, but includes the sequence of Andrew reading Borden's diary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. think if I remember correctly. So that's wild. It's um, and then we kind of, once we get to that point in the actual story, kind of the entire third act or so is is pretty much straight ahead, uh, and it's kind of just a lot of reveals. But um, there's a lot of Michael Caine going. We need to destroy this. Yes, thing. <laughs> please, yeah. please destroy this thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it's um, it's fascinating. I it, my whole point is that the structure is so insane and the editing is so insane. I don't I don't know how they filmed enough and filmed it all right in a way that then it turned out correct. Like yeah. usually something would go wrong somewhere along the way. the The dialogue doesn't give you what you need. Doesn't it, you know you don't you miss right. that there are things that we don't learn enough about in order to catch. But there's so much talent in every single scene of this movie. In, in the writing, the directing, the cast. Um, who does the music? I really enjoy the music, but I cannot remember the composer. I didn't recognize the name. It's not Hans Zimmer. Um, I knew that. This is this is DJ Khaled. <laughs> Miley Cyrus. <laughs> it's the club. Uh, uh, David <laughs> Julian. Huh. Interesting. Um. I got a Canadian actor when I tried to look him up. That doesn't. Oh, uh, so he did the score for following Memento and Insomnia. Okay. Well, okay. We that that makes sense. All right. Um, but I don't know. Just, <laughs> it feels like there's so many safety nets <laughs> that it, every scene works somehow uh, yeah. because there, there is so much craft going into all of this. Um, it, it's, it's incredible. It's a fantastically put together movie. I think what it comes down to is Nolan's like, he doesn't start shooting until he feels the screenplay is in yeah. tip top shape. Like he's not rewriting as he goes or whatever. It's like, you know, that's very much like, you know, the script is the Bible. That is what we, we go off of. That is our source of truth for this. And we're not going to deviate all that much from that. Um, and like, I, I think they, they've released a, a few of his screenplays for various things. Probably, I mean, the Batman movies. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I don't, I don't think there's all that much where it's like, oh, they, they took out a whole sequence or, yeah, you know, right. there's like a major bit of dialogue that's missing because it didn't work or anything like that. I think it's very much like, no, they, they shot what, what he wrote. Well, it's also, I think that a lot of people who talk about like mystery writing say that you start with the ending and then you complicate it, you know, you go and the butler kills the Lord. But and then you start setting up if we work backwards from that. And so I wonder, because one of the great things about the twist is that it, the twist isn't that complicated. It's like Borden had a twin brother and Jira got a cloning machine. Yes. I mean, it is more complicated than that. Yeah. I'm really that's, watering that's it down. Of it. Yeah. And then he finds all of these other things. And I think the other thing is that it's not just the movie isn't just complex, that it, it's also rich, that there is a deeply human thing within both Angier and Borden that we are constantly reminded of and constantly misdirected by, but also directed to that. That is the driving force of the movie is character stuff and all of these crazy plot tangents and layers and all of this stuff comes out of that very simple human thing. And so I think that's what, what helps the movie I think be accessible is that, you are drawn to those performances and those characters. And so that is, that's who you're paying attention to. And that helps you keep track of everything. Cause similarly, Tyler, I was watching it going, okay, wait, so he's twins. What happened? Huh? And I had to keep going. Britain, just watch it. <laughs> what happened in this scene? That's literally all you're supposed to know right now. Right. You're not supposed to know the ending yet. <laughs> just watch the movie. Um, I was I was having a hard time thinking of uh, flaws in the movie when I was watching it this time because I like I mean I just think that this the story is is just so finely crafted and it's like you know this is exactly what Christopher Nolan intended like it's just it hits yeah. the mark um, I I think the the only thing that I could really kind of pinpoint I'm sure there's like if you go to like IMDb like sure goofs and and whatnot it's like check those goofs. <laughs> Tesla, in fact, did not build a cloning machine. Uh, yeah, exactly. plot, what a plot hole! <laughs> F. In real in real life, Robert Angier is actually actor Hugh Jackman. <laughs> did you know that's not his real accent? What a <laughs> plot hole! Um, but I did think it was a little convenient, and they do try and tee it up as these guys have like they they basically run their shows through seasons and like they have a set amount of shows and, and whatnot. But the fact that Angier and Borden um, are both able to get on stage to screw up the other person's performance, like they get picked out of the audience to go up there and, and mm. examine the trick before it happens. Um, I think that's a little convenient with just how often they're able to get up there. Um, I, I feel like for the most part, I think more what it is, is like someone kind of claiming like they're, they're basically being like, oh, I'm going to get up right now. <laughs> like I, that was more the vibe I got is that they were going up directly, uh, and just kind of ignoring whoever was picking and just being like, oh, okay. I'm just, I'm just going to get in and be like, oh yeah, you picked me. Right. And just like move along it's not like explicitly said but if it was explicitly said then it wouldn't be a reveal when you see them in the scene that was just kind of the vibe i got watching them like when you see the character who is it'll it'll show kind of the wide shot of the audience and you'll see the character who is that person covered in makeup or a beard get up 
then that's kind of like like i think uh i want to say in the scene where hugh jackman pushes forward to or gets chosen to shoot the gun at uh borden i want to say he kind of like pushes forward into the crowd and like muscles his way and he's like oh i'm trying it like i i think it's it's more just they know they understand they can kind of they they understand how these shows are run, so they understand that they can go up there and kind of just uh yeah. you know socially engineer their way onto the stage. I, yeah. I would say that that one didn't bother me as much just because it was in a smaller sure. space and there was a smaller crowd, so I could see him like getting to the front and being picked out yeah. easily. But um like when Borton goes up to look at the Tesla cloning machine at the end. I don't know. I, I thought it was that part because is... they show him purposefully raise his hand when they get, you know, when, when they start calling on people to go up. And I feel like, I don't know if it would just be like, Oh, now we're going to pick people out. And he immediately just stands I... up and walks. I, I don't know. Especially, I don't know how you communicate that a bit better. Yeah. He actually, they actually, he tried that 14 times <laughs> yeah. and he kept not getting picked. And he was like, well, that's, right, try again next night. Well, that was actually what I was wondering because, um, there's the bit where, uh, Borden's talking to, to other Borden or Fallon in the, you know, and he's like, why is he doing a hundred performances? Why can't you outthink him? What is, what is the trick here? Um, and I guess it's just. No, he's giving him enough leg room yeah. to get picked out of the crowd at least once yeah. so he can go up there and, I, you know, fall into the trap. I think it's more just giving him a lot, enough leg room to show up. I, in the Tesla scene, that was the one that looked, especially to me, like he basically just raised his hand and then just stood up and walked anyway. <laughs> like, okay. I don't think they really, I think that was like a, yeah, you, somewhere, and then pointing at someone in that area. And he was just like, that's me, I'm going. Um, because they let like 10 people go up to look at the machine. Sure. Um the one that the other one with the the bird cage snapping the bird cage, I think that one is a little bit iffier maybe, but um, that te- the I think my bigger question with the Tesla one was how did uh, Angier know not to show up after mm. uh, like how did he know Borden was going to be backstage and ready to be caught at that point because he didn't really let anybody in on it like on how he was gonna or on the fact that he was going to try and catch Angier or catch Borden with this. Sorry. So I don't know how Angier knew not to walk out at that point. That was a little iffy to me, but I, my, my assumption would be, Oh, he saw him walking up on the stage and was like, yep, it's the time. So yeah, it works. We were talking about how this movie is very Nolan without having a lot of his hallmarks. But it does have one of his key hallmarks, Tyler. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna talk about a few things because <laughs> <clears throat> there are a few Nolanisms in this. We've got the cloning machine, which is you know Nolan loves a big weird sci-fi machine <laughs> that sort of does things that would not really be possible. Um, <laughs> and it's got Michael Caine. <laughs> it's, got, <laughs> it's got a few. Speaking things. of big machines <clears throat> that don't do things that aren't possible, <laughs> Michael Caine. <laughs> Much. Um, but well, yeah, we've been we've been tracking the uh, the dining. We've been tracking the fact that Nolan loves a good diner scene, and he di- diner dinner, you know, some sort of yeah. sitting around a table gathering for a meal kind of thing. Um, and he has we have seen that he has done done this in every single movie so far. Uh, I've been I've been very insistent on this on on tracking this. Um, in this movie, I was starting to lose faith. I I liter- literally was getting to a point 
probably halfway, maybe a little longer through the movie. And I was like, you know what? I don't know if there's a, a scene where they eat at a dinner in this movie. And then the very next scene, <laughs> very next scene, they, uh, the, the twins, I guess. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think it's, it's the twins and Rebecca Hall and Scarlett Johansson, uh, all gather around in a, in a big fancy diner or big fancy diner, big fancy, uh, I don't even know what you call it i mean it's a restaurant but like i mean it's back then very lavish yeah uh so they're they're here for some very luxurious uh yeah. dinner that they're having and they're all dressed up and it's it's the most it's the highest production value of any dinner we've seen nolan do yet in this run of movies uh so i should not have i should not have lost faith and the you know it's a scene where they are kind of really getting to the heart of the problem with the twin switching and how this yeah. is impacting all the characters' relationships. Uh, so once again, you know, it's it's a pivotal, it's a pivotal moment. Pivotal mm-hmm. uh, information is transferred to the audience over an, a nice meal. Absolutely. Chris is always holding us. Mm-hmm. We are always going to be fine. <laughs> I think we're going all the way with this. I think this is going to be in yeah. every movie. I'm very excited for Dunkirk. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I believe there is a mess hall. Or maybe at Mark Rylance's house. I can't remember. Possible too. Possible too. Yeah. Either way. Oh, Alex is checking in his mind. Oh, they've got the party Alex, scene. Alex, come at, back. Come back. Th- come there's back. the party scene at the beginning of Dark Knight Rises and everybody's eat, eating food. That that counts. But then didn't, didn't we already establish that Dark Knight Rises ends with... Oh, it's got the ending too. <laughs> yeah, we've had this yes. conversation. Yes. Yeah. Dark Knight, yeah, Dark, where he's Dark Knight, more that Bruce like, is finally happy. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. My, my first, my first thought, which does not work at all, was fork and knife, but <laughs> kind of, kind of the same uh, structure. Yeah, more like the Dark Knight dines. Am I there, right? Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The dark bread rises. Mm-hmm. Anyway. A lot of food. We got every food on this menu. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, what else do we have about the prestige words? I like that even when there's the plants going up onto the stage, Kristen Bale just walks up no no tick no character and Hugh Jackman's like doing the big bows like mm-hmm. I like that again character choices I think Jackman's very good in this I think Hugh Jackman is an actor who occasionally gets really good acting opportunities um frequently you know we gotta we can't ever forget that he's Wolverine actors have to only be one thing to us or Van but Helsing or Van can't Hel- forget Hel- that like Dracula true like that but we are going to do Van Helsing for the podcast. I um, This is the year to do it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd be happy about that. Tyler would not. Yeah. I forced him to watch it at one point. the year of Van Helsing. 
We're Let's saying do it. it. Let's bring it back, guys. I, I forced Tyler to watch that movie like Halloween five years mm-hmm. ago, and he was like, why are we watching this? <laughs> and, he, and he turned, and you had your Van Helsing hat on, and you were yes. like, isn't it great? I had my hat and my leather coat. I was ready. Can you describe? You were like, but it's, the re- but it's the reunion of him and Shuler Hensley from that production of Oklahoma. <laughs> Britain, can you describe to me what you're imagining when you say Van Helsing hat? I think the audience needs to... Yeah, it's basically his great hat that he has in the movie, which is kind of like a black, uh, like, flat kind of fedora thing. But it also comes equipped with the long black hair. Mm-hmm. So it's attached. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. in-universe, it's a wig. Yes. Yeah, I, I, yes. Like, I like that. I like one. that head cannon. That makes sense head, to me. Head cannon? <laughs> you know... <laughs> You know, just like like a Christopher Nolan screenplay, we have this all planned yeah. out. <clears throat> Layers we were ready. No, but I was going to say when Hugh Jackman gets to get you know opportunities to act, like in Van Helsing. Um, <laughs> but you see him in in this. You see him in uh, I, I, Alex. You're a fan of Bad Education. Um, that Prisoners. Was, oh yeah, I gotta watch Prisoners. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like I've heard really good things about him in The Sun, uh, Florian Zeller's new movie. Like, dude, dude can act. We just got to let him sometimes. I don't like Lemmy the Rob. Not a necessary thing for me right. to say, but I did it. <laughs> I mean, just in terms of Wolverine performances, fault. I mean, Logan. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Eddie the Eagle, but I bet he's fun in it. I, I bet that's a fun movie. You know, I bet I would love that movie. I Interesting really think you bland, would. you say. <laughs> and to be, yes, but also, <laughs> as uh, established off mic, it does have Dexter Fletcher Taron Edgerton and Hugh Jackman, like, three fairly solid names to you. Yes. So. And probably, you like skiing, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Bond movies. You know. Hey, that's a good point. <laughs> that's, you know, it's all there. <laughs> Actually, Alex, I am going to need your homework to be watching Eddie the Eagle. I I want to know what you think about it. <laughs> I I would feel wrong if I saw it before you did. And we all know that's the movie I'm going to watch this week. <laughs> <laughs> now there's a whole uh, gonna be worse. There's there's a ticking time bomb now. I've got to watch Eddie the Eagle. Yeah, uh, that movie will be enough. Um, <laughs> I think that I bet it, I'm not even making fun of the movie. I bet it's fine. Yeah, but no, all of all of this to say, Hugh Jackman's a good actor. Mm-hmm. Brent, have you mentioned The Greatest Showman yet? Hey, I haven't, Tyler. Thanks for uh, invoking my own personal Dracula. <laughs> speaking speaking of hell, singing. Um... If if you if you stare if, if you if you go and look in the mirror and and whisper "Greatest Showman" three times, Britain appears. <laughs> yeah, Barnum, Barnum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, it's canonical. It's one of my. Most hated movies. I do not like The Greatest Showman one bit. Hugh Jackman is not the problem. Mm-hmm. I don't blame Hugh Jackman for a minute. Um, if anything, it doesn't let him be better. <laughs> it, sure. it further stymies his ability. Yeah, because you but think I it's all Zendaya's fault, right? Yeah, I would, uh, yeah, sure. No, I don't blame Zendaya. She didn't. Zephron? Zephron, I would just say Pasek and Paul and the director and the producers sure. and the movie. And, uh, P.T. Barnum. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, probably an elephant. 
I, I was going to say, it was probably safe to just say P.T. Barnum and call it a day, right? Yeah, I probably didn't need to call out people who are alive and could have their feelings hurt sure. by my words, and I apologize <laughs> to them. Um, but uh, I well, think it's Well, do we know P.T. Barnum is not alive? Whoa. Have Point. you seen the body? <laughs> I haven't. You know, P.T. Barnum... P.T. Barnum's been transferred... He he had a whole his consciousness. Yeah, he he had a whole trip where he went to go see a man called Tesla. Mm-hmm. And let me mm-hmm. tell you, whoa! I bet he did. You've never um, seen both of them in a room together. <laughs> they probably did overlap <laughs> in time somewhere. The other thing I kept thinking about during this movie was that this movie takes place in like 1897. Mm-hmm. I think is when they first meet, and so it probably ends in like the like 1902 or something. Yeah, and I was like. So what you're saying is elsewhere, Arthur Morgan is going on his adventures in Red Dead 2, and it would have been fantastic. He does meet a Tesla-like figure in Red Dead 2. Just want to point that out. If at some point in this movie, uh, Robert Anger was, you know, bumming around Colorado looking for stuff to do, and he ran into Arthur Morgan, it'd be great. So you're kind of one of them uh, magicians, you say. Well, I don't know. You're okay, Robert. I I, I do want to mention the scene where Michael Caine is talking to... um, It's either the judge or Lord Codlow's assistant um, who's who's trying to take care of all of his affairs with Borden and everything. Um, But he's talking about the machine, and he's like, oh, no, this wasn't built by a magician. This was built by a wizard. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. This is... This this is like what magicians only yeah. can dream about. Like this is real. Yeah, and there's a- I like I like the whole magic is science that we don't understand angle to yeah. it. And it's not like overbearing. Um it's in there just enough to be like, "Oh, that's really fun to think about in in the context of this time period." There, there's a great yeah. uh bit where I forget the name of the guy they go uh <clears throat> try and you know, basically convinced to give Hugh Jackman one more show. Uh, but he's like Michael Caine's connection. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Played by Edward Hibbert from Frasier. There you great. go. Um, but when he see the moment he sees the trick and um, Hugh Jackman walk out behind him, he's like, oh, man, it's been a while since I've seen someone do something like that. Like, it's been many years since I've seen real magic. And that's just kind of all. He doesn't like try and say like, oh, how'd you do that? Oh, my gosh. Do it again. I, I need to. Pre-. He's like yep that's a teleporter <laughs> and i'm accepting this i'm gonna go get you some shows <laughs> like it's 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 nice it's a nice moment another uh michael Caine bit that i quite like is that at the beginning of the movie he uh comforts angier by saying well you know when uh or i i knew a sailor who had drowned for five minutes uh and when he came back he said you know it, it felt like going to sleep it was it was no big deal it was painless uh and then at the end of the movie after Hugh Jackman has drowned himself 27 times uh, he, he's like do you, do you know what you did and Hugh Jackman or is like do you remember when I told you about the sailor and Hugh Jackman's like yeah you said it was it was fine he's like no I was lying <laughs> what did you do he said it was agony I I really and again talking about the uh the the recurring kind of expansions of the theme. I, I love that, you know, early on we have, uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson defect from 
Angier to Borden because ultimately Angier is cold and, and is not does not really care about her. At one point he says, I don't care about my wife. I care about figuring out this trick or, or beating Borden. Like he's he's kind of moved beyond the relationship he lost and the fact that that was the impetus for all of this was sort of hatred and, and vengeance and feeling very bitter about whether Borden did or did not tie the knot, which we never, I guess maybe we yeah. see it. I would not be able to tell you what a knot is or what knot he tied. Sure. Um, but we never figure it out because he only ever asks Borden who is not the one who was there. He he only yeah. ever asked the other twin. And so every time he's like, I don't know. And I really love that detail, just kind of thinking through which Borden is which in, mm-hmm. in whatever scene during um, Angier's. Are they married? Is is it his wife, Julia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, during her funeral, after yes. Michael Caine, you know, gives gives his little speech about, oh, it was, it was, drowning was like going home. Um, right. Borden walks up and he's like, I still don't know which knot it was that I tied. And I really like that idea of like, no, the one who actually tied the knot was not man enough or like he he, he yeah. did could not face yeah. going to that. Um, so he pushed it on to the twin. Um, I, I, I really just so many little things to think about with this. And it's yeah. not like in an annoying way where it's like, I have to figure it all out. Right, it's, right. it's in a fun like, oh, this enriches my experience. Yeah. If I yeah, you just you discover it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically all of this, Andrew is kind of a terrible person in a lot of ways. He's very driven and, you know, is only focused on this one thing. Um, Scarlett Johansson defects from him. Later on, uh, Cutter, Michael Caine's character, who was kind of working for both of them, and then eventually he just works for Angier for a while. Uh, he is ultimately the one who goes and... I, I mean, it, the implication would be that he knows that it's... Uh, Fallon going to shoot him <laughs> at the end because they pa- they walk past each other on the street and then he has already gotten um their daughter the the twins daughter from uh Caldwell's Caldwell's estate and you know reunites her with her actual father at the end whichever twin is the actual father um I again I like that repeating theme of these things that they start small and then there's really big things because Cutter's been on his side the entire time and he's done all these things for him. He helped him stage this entire show. He defended his like yeah. memory by, you know, getting Borden put into put in jail uh, because he thought Borden actually killed him because he didn't realize what the machine did. Um, it's all. Yeah, it's very good. And I love it. All right. I agree. I was thinking about are are the names at all supposed to be like kind of clever yeah. puns because like Borden, boredom because he's he's supposed to be like the the flatter oh. you know magician in terms of just presentation. Oh, Angier, anger. I was thinking, and anger. I, I was yeah that, but also Codlow. You could get cold somewhere in there. Maybe I don't know. Or or he keeps all his fish on the bottom shelf. Yeah, Codlow. I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, I wondered honestly about it, especially after the nomenclature and insomnia right. told us so much. But I, 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 I ultimately wouldn't. I don't think so. 
But also, also that wouldn't be Nolan. that wouldn't be Nolan at this point. That would be yeah, presumably be the novel. For... Christopher Stewart. Priest wrote the novel, who is not the same Christopher <laughs> Priest who wrote a very acclaimed Black Panther run. By the way, oh wow, I saw that name okay. and I was like, "What?" And then I pulled it up, and he, it was like, "This man is a British author who was born in the 1940s." And I was like, "I don't think that's right." And then I, I it is just two. I have people. one last mission. <laughs> Okay. Are we ready to do great? Yeah. Go for it. A plus. I like that. I'll do A plus. I think I got to go A plus, uh, which is an interesting bar to set. Mm hmm. I don't. I'm I'm assuming I gave Dark Knight an A plus, but like. Let's let's rewind yeah. the clock. Let's see. Sure, like, let's uh, let's invert ourselves. Yeah. Um, oh God. Because uh, yes. So you both gave gave the Dark Knight an A plus. You gave, gave it, it a D. For dark, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he said it's opposite day. It's a B. I said, I said, you know, this has a real quantum mania vibe. D. <laughs> what, did, what did you give it, Alex? I gave it an A. Okay. okay. And I think that mostly came down to the 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 whole bullet fingerprint thing is weird. Sure. <laughs> mm. Um, I I'm curious about Inception. I don't know where I'm going to land on Inception, and I don't think there this this i mean definitely the prestige dark knight inception y- you can't really beat that uh, i would say this is pretty crazy this is the start of the best period of yeah. his filmography for me yeah and like, i yeah. i really like interstellar as well so it'll be fun to get to that because uh, i've got some mixed opinions right. in the group there um but i i think honestly prestige to inception like that is sure. his best yeah, period as a filmmaker. Yeah, I think I mean I think the only other thing I'd give an A plus is maybe Tenet. So <laughs> <laughs> Alex just broke the pencil he was holding. <laughs> and I said and I whispered, we're gonna have tryouts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, I don't think movie. I don't think I'll give Tenet an A plus. I won't rule it out. I, I, I think you will at this point. Maybe, like, I think there's a strong to. possibility that happens. In a way, I already did, and I've been traveling backwards to this moment. So that's why. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I could see me being like, eh, B minus. Scott is big. It's a big movie, mm-hmm. and I appreciate it more. I watch it, whatever. And, and Britain's like, yeah, B plus. It's a lot of fun. Practical effects. Uh, good performances. And Tyler's like, A plus. <laughs> <laughs> no explanation. <laughs> As as his eyes turn fully white like storm and he starts to float. <laughs> this is this is humming. my movie, my podcast, my tenant. Um <laughs> uh, maybe Oppenheimer's real good. I don't know. And my boy Alden Ehrenreich's in that. Yeah. I love it. Um Let's say I haven't seen a second. They of still it have not revealed the runtime and I'm scared. Uh so I haven't figured haven't finished watching it yet. <laughs> They're still looking at the test screening. <laughs> Nolan's like more food, call FEMA again. Just get them to bring them more food. 
not helicopters. Get it? <laughs> I uh, I like this movie a lot. Like I said, I think this has the best balance of all of the elements of play. Um, and it just has the tightest story of all of yeah. his movies. Um, aside from, you know, obviously like Memento and following just because they're so small. But I think this yeah. is the one where it's like, no, it's, this is big. This is a big story, but it's still like yeah. everything just kind of works. All the mechanical parts of it just work very, very well. Is it Have you, guys, you guys seen anything else recently that you like very much? Uh, uh so uh, I I did a bunch of rewatches for things. So I I, okay. I rewatched the bear. Oh, okay. Um, just because I I, I wanted to give it a, a a fair shake. I think I recommended it when I watched it the first yeah. time, but I I feel like yeah. I didn't absorb as much of it as I I wanted to because I I watched it like I watched it in a day. Like I just yeah. binged the whole thing, and it's very short. It's like four hours or something okay. like that, maybe oh. less. Um, yeah, it's not very long. Um, but it's really, really good. And like, it's just a show full of performances. And even if you're not like super into like the food plot of it all, um, and just like running a restaurant that's like slowly falling apart, I think just the way it's executed. And it's just, there's so many moments that are just like, it's an exercise in anxiety (laughs) where it's like, oh, I would not want to be there. <laughs> um, but it really makes you feel like you're in that restaurant with them as they're kind of trying to get through the day. Um, Called Uncut Meats. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you should work for Honest Trailers, uh, Britain. That was, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was cute. <laughs> oh, God. What did I ever do to you? <laughs> um, so I, I rewatched The Bear. I, I highly recommend that if you still haven't watched it, Tyler. Um <laughs> And then uh, I rewatched the original four Alien films. What? <laughs> so that's I, my friend. He didn't even know. <laughs> he didn't even know. <laughs> so I ended up getting. Um, it's from like ten years ago. They 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 put out a, a Blu-ray box set called the Alien Anthology, I think, and it's the first four films. Um, and I didn't have Resurrection in my in my uh, my collection. I only had the first three, kind of as separate. Um, releases but the reason i got it was there are just a ton of special features that are not in the discs that i already had um and a lot of it you can find online like on youtube but it's very kind of inconsistent um and particularly i wanted to watch all of the behind the scenes stuff for alien 3 um and so i was like oh well i'm gonna test all the discs and just rewatch all the movies and i had a great time and they all are wonderful in their own unique ways um i still stand by alien 3 uh alien resurrection is weird and i enjoy it quite a bit um, we were pretty favorable to that i think yeah who directed that one uh jean-pierre Genet. that's wild with a yes. okay script from joss whedon pass from joss whedon yep yep interference by joss whedon <laughs> <laughs> demo um, button pressed on little keyboard by <laughs> joss whedon but um yeah, so I, I, I my recommendation from this is is going to be the specifically the the making of stuff for Alien Three. The the documentary is called Wreckage and Rage, which I think works on two different levels. Number one, on that's what making the movie was like, and then two, if you don't like the movie, that's how you feel about it. <laughs> True. 
sure. but it's really candid and it's really in depth and it talks about all the different versions of the screenplay and all the different writers and they've got Rennie Harlan and Vincent Ward and all these filmmakers that touched it. Of course, David Fincher's not on there because he didn't actually uh, want to be a part of anything post making the movie in the first place. Um, but it's just very, very neat to watch all the behind the scenes stuff because that was a mess. Um, and I find, find it endlessly fascinating. Um, and the fact that it ends up coming out as uh, as good as it is is kind of shocking to me. And I love it. Love it, love it, love it. So I'm recommending the documentary yeah. about the behind the scenes of Alien 3, <laughs> Wreckage and Rage. There you go. <laughs> uh, Tyler, what I, you got? I've been... <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, we watched uh, Godzilla 98. Yeah. And... Uh, I rewatched all the Bond movies. I rewatched... Uh... No, I did not rewatch them again. I've been working my way through a bunch of... Uh, random things from various media that I've not finished. Uh, so maybe I'll uh, come back to that next week. I should have, maybe I'll have a few things lined up for the next few weeks. Um, the two shows I've been keeping up with poker face and last of us continue to be excellent. Um, last of us is I know. phenomenal. It is yeah. just bonkers. Um, I'm very excited. The finale will be next week. I'm I'm ready for that. Um, which means it is now time for me to watch it there you go it is it is my cue it is my my time to get on stage and wreck somebody's performance there you go (laughs) oh the yeah do it see what you can do to (laughs) bellarine just see oh i meant tyler when he's praising the show right right (laughs) um uh poker face is one that i think i had kind of i feel like the middle chunk of episodes are a lot more just like chill like oh these are kind of fun Episode of the week, neat little things. Um, the last couple of episodes have really... Like, I was enjoying it the whole time, but the last couple of episodes have really brought me back into it. It is... There's some strong some strong stuff. Um, one of them being the... One of the couple that were directed by Ryan Johnson, I think. Um, and I think the one before that was directed by Natasha Leone, actually. Uh, so oh, cool. it's it's very cool stuff, and I'm very excited. That's also wrapping up. And I will be very sad, because all, all I will have left is, is Mandalorian and i have not watched that yet and tyler's not aware guys don't tell tyler about other tv shows i Jury literally just recommended out. the bear for a second time but uh, you just said the bear is four out what am i gonna do to fill the the thursday hole in my yeah, life and the true. sunday hole in my life you were specifically asking earlier you were like guys i need point. something that's shorter i don't need the time investment but that's still that into my schedule four hours I mean, I guess there's Mare of Easttown. Also, I did just admit that I'm probably going to watch Tar. So, you know, that's... You could watch an episode of The Leftovers every week. That that would be fun. Yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I'll just be like, hey, hey actually, I'm you know just, what? Like, continue to... Jump on, jump on Deadwood. Maybe I will. <laughs> Get on maybe, that's what, maybe you know, I'll just, like, slot something in and pretend it's a weekly airing show we've all got yeah. we've all got homework for each other some some uh homework assignments will last longer than others <laughs> hey guys well this week uh, i'm still uh, watching uh, a fuller house uh got to episode six uh and listen they got it dude Britain, what, what would you like to recommend uh so i've been uh pretty diligent with my movie watching i'm set for the next couple episodes uh, but i will sort of uh drip feed these um 
And I did recommend Megan last week, and I meant it, and I still mean it. So I'm going to recommend... m 3 it. I am 3 it. Uh, I'm going to recommend it. Sister film tonight. No, I... I've talked about this movie ironically a lot, but I really want to recommend Tar. Um, the Oscars are, are a few days away as we're recording this. And Spiritual I'm not... successor to M3 again. Yes. Or vice versa. Yeah. They are both... I said it before and I said it again. They are about a blonde protagonist who commits ear-based actions and has a severe face and makes a lot of trouble for people. Um, <laughs> and they should have called Tar nothing but trouble. It's, it's T4R. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um... But the, but Tar, I I really have not kept up with the Oscars, with the awards stuff this year for my health. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has worked out. But that said, I've started catching up with some of these movies that really have appealed to me. And Tar is frankly extraordinary to me. It is it is a movie about Kate Blanchett, if, if you don't know, plays an EGOT winning globally renowned composer and conductor. And the... It, I don't really know how to describe like the arc of the plot so much as it is what what the movie is thematically about. It, it's about a lot of things. It's about cancel culture. It's about woke culture. It's about power. It's about generations. Um, and it's, but in, in a really incredible way where it's not about the, the movie is not telling you, this is our opinion on these issues. I don't even think the movie wants you to make up your own mind about those issues. I think the movie wants you to think about Mm -hmm. them and it just sort of presents you with stuff. At the end of the movie, I still had a lot of questions and there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know that I, and I genuinely think I'm not supposed to. And I think that's the Mm -hmm. point is that like, yep, here's the stuff. Think about it. Crazy. Right. And then it just kind of walks away. And I think that's really artfully done. It's Lydia Tarr is not an easy person to to like in if she were a real person it would be difficult to like her as a character she's fascinating Kate Blanchett is of course phenomenal in it um it's a movie that I think as it it is like very apolitically political while being really more social commentary than political commentary um but I think it's just going to land on a lot of sides of a lot of aisles but not even in the sense that it's trying to make everybody happy and that it's like, we're just kind of presenting a bunch of stuff and it kind of, I don't know. I think this is such a good job of breaking these issues down without breaking them down into their sort of gestalt or mm-hmm. something. And it's also not even fully about, like I'm talking about this as though that's the core of the movie and it is, but it also isn't. <laughs> um, the cast is terrific. Kate Blanchett, I mentioned, you've also got Noemi Merlant from uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Mm. Nina Haas is very good. You've also got, in like just a couple of scenes, Alan Cordonaire, uh, Mark Strong in a very funny wig, and Julian Glover pops up uh, a couple of times. He's always good. Um, there's a a cellist, who I believe is a, an actual cellist. I believe every, I believe Kate Blanchett actually conducts and everybody else actually plays the instruments. I think it's all real. Um, and it, it's just, it's, the acting is very, very good. But even just remove everything I just said, the the filmmaking is so astonishing. Like the control of the camera in this movie is so amazing. And there are all these long takes. We all know I love a long take. And it's the kind of long take that you don't realize it until I was like midway through a scene and I went, oh, they didn't cut. But I'm looking at a completely different image than how the movie, how the scene started. 
It has completely recomposed itself just by like adjusting the camera. Ari Aster kind of does this in Midsommar. Um, and it's just astonishing. And the actors get to really breathe in all of the scenes and the scenes get to really breathe. It's a movie. I think it'd be an interesting movie to read. I think it'd, it'd be an interesting movie to read about like analytically because it's discussing a lot of things. And I know I missed a lot of it. And that's one of the appealing things about it. It is two and a half hours. But it doesn't really feel like it, other than you just kind of want to be in it. It looks gorgeous. And I, like I said, the, there's no reason to compare these two movies at all, aside from the fact that they're nominated with some for some awards together. But I understand why it is such a difficult choice for some people between this and everything everywhere in certain categories. Because like the editing, for example, is so important and so brilliant in both movies in such different ways. Um. I'm I'm harping on it a lot in a way that I, I, I feel like sometimes we do about movies and then they kind of die on the vine after a while. But like, I think this is, I, I think it's going to stick around. I certainly hope it does. I, it's just, I don't know. It, and also I mentioned the generations thing it, and like, there's the headline about Scorsese saying, this is the movie that restored mm-hmm. his faith in cinema and stuff, which sure. And you theme parks and all that business, but also like, I, I do get it. <laughs> like, not that I know Scorsese's mind at all, but I'm like watching. I was like, oh, I can see why he would feel that way. But it also doesn't feel old fashioned, and it doesn't feel. This is not a movie about yelling at boomers. This is not a movie about yelling at Gen Z. This is just a movie that presents a lot of different things, and just kind of says, "Yep, this is here you go." And then there is a astonishing ending that I love, and uh, yeah, it just it really did kind of blow my mind. So I, it's on Peacock. You can probably actually find it. On, on other digital yeah, releases, I think, I think there's even I think library well some libraries that I might know have have it on DVD. Um, I I really do recommend getting to it, and I will also say I think it is final note. I think it is more about pretentiousness and elitism than it is than that it is pretentious and elitist. I don't think it's a pretentious movie. I think it's about pretentious people. Um. Even the title is kind of a joke, and it's yeah, it's great. So tar is the the super amazing surprise ending that uh, there's this wonderful musical performance going on, and then just suddenly, uh, uh, Miles Teller from Whiplash just starts <laughs> banging away at the drums, and it just For becomes sure. the finale of Whiplash, and she goes, "My tempo." <laughs> <laughs> that's my tempo <laughs> no she uh drowns in a in a, a tank below the stage yeah yeah and then Hugh Jackman goes got you again <laughs> and dashes away <laughs> twirling his mustache and my, Michael uh. Caine just just walks up like looking right at the camera and he just whispers you want to be fooled <laughs> <laughs> It's great. It's got Hella from Thor in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that should have been my whole recommendation. Yeah, right that's there. that's the way to sell it to good old Alex. That's you know. All right, it it's got Veronica Guerin in it. Now, do you want to watch it? It's got Galadriel from the Hobbit movies. <laughs> it's got um the Daisy or whatever from Benjamin Button. Do you remember when she fought Sauron or yeah. whatever whatever he was in in. The Battle of the Five Armies, that's what it's called. I, mean, I also remember when she was in the other good movies. Yeah. No. 
No. <laughs> she was in Notes on a Scandal. And other movies. <laughs> she, no, di, no. She was Elizabeth. And Elizabeth too. Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Elizabeth too. It happened again? <laughs> Tilda Swinton, or as Louis Vertel calls her, the italicized Kate Blanche. Yeah, is she? <laughs> remind me again. Who, which one's in Chronicles of Narnia? Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want more hard hitting film analysis like this, you can find us online. Such as, what is Kate Blanchett in? <laughs> it's, it's we're, we're objectively analyzing her her filmography. Um, yeah, you can find us online at here come the sequels at You can email us at here come the sequels at gmail.com We are on uh, Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on all the all the podcast apps. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned our Twitter, but we're on Twitter at hct sequels. Um, you can find us in all those places. I do have a meme from Joseph. Once oh. again, uh, this is a reminder to our audience. If you would like to send memes because you would like me to describe them on the podcast, I will do that. Uh, so let's let's dive in. Let's get started. Um, Joseph has written just it's kind of just I don't know if this is the subject header or if this is like just like big text in the in the thing. But it's maybe it's part of the image. I don't know. It says dad meme. Um, it is from Facebook, I believe. It's got as it'll be important in a second. We'll get to that. Um, but kind of the, the dad meme. So that th- this is this is specifically written or or built for for Tyler here. I right? think so. so that, I think that's okay. the idea. Um, I think he was. I mean, maybe Britain me. and I aren't. Maybe we're not meant to to, to yeah. hear this described. Well, I mean, you know, this, I will let you a, in on the secret. Is where'd you go, Bernadette? In it, yeah. Okay, then I'm in. This this really might be a for your eyes only situation, Tyler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a good thing I'm, see this, but that's it's a good thing I'm describing it. That's how I'm letting yeah. it in because you don't have to see it. Exactly. Um, oh, that's true. That's true. That that makes it all better. <laughs> so so the caption here, the caption here is the tallest tree in Wales was that's Wales. W a l e s. Okay, that's, not yeah, not, not a sort of in, inside of some sort of large whale, <laughs> not a monstro. Yeah, some sort of avatar whale. That's not what we're talking about <laughs> here. Uh, the, the tallest tree in Wales was damaged by lightning. Instead of cutting it down, a chainsaw artist uh, decided to do this as a symbol of the tree's last attempt to reach the sky. And so the image we've got this this you know, kind of tree. It's uh, going part way up. And you can see that it kind of there's there's some bark uh, still on it, but it's been smoothed out. It's kind of jagged, and then it smooths out, uh, and then it it is carved into into a hand, sort of reaching up. It's not you know a particular like it's 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 sort of like what uh, Schwarzenegger does at the end of Terminator, like right before he does the thumbs up. It's it's sort of like imagine his hand. Okay, like that, yeah, for sure. Where it's sort of like it's it's out out it's it's raised, it's outreached, and it's he's about to kind of clasp it. Uh, so it's just yeah. the little web hand that reaches for Gwen in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, yeah, that's actually, yeah, yeah that's sure. that's right on. Uh, and so, like, you know, it looks kind of gnarled and old and wrinkled, but it's 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 been weathered some, it looks like. But 
It's a, it's a nice image. It's a, I think it's a cool, good on that chainsaw artist. Never heard of a chainsaw artist before, but I, you know, I'd look at more and more images of this chainsaw mm-hmm. artist work and say, Hey, good job. Um, <laughs> the so we've got you know the, the stuff that's in facebook it's on facebook oh, there's it's more got, it's got uh well yeah that's not a, that's not a meme that's just like a <laughs> you know a script that's that's a little infographic if we're leaving it at that and i should mention there are two pictures i don't know if i said that but i want to make sure i'm giving you the full picture here there's kind of the picture right. of the tall t- the tall tree and then the the rest of it is a close-up so you can kind of get a good good image of the hand um <laughs> and so it's got the reactions. It's got the thing that Facebook always confuses me with where it says there's 22,000 reactions, but then like it's got likes and hearts and people doing the like, oh, uh, emoji. Yeah. And so I never know like what exactly you're, t- you're telling me by saying there's 22,000 of those because it's like br- break them into the reactions. But that's a point for another day. We're not describing Facebook's UI here. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, you know, there's a comment underneath there where uh, <clears throat> it is it, it does have... <laughs> It does have uh, it has 198 laughs and likes and such. Um, it says it was done seven hours before this image was taken, presumably. Um, it's got <clears throat> there's like a really blurry profile picture. It looks like it's probably it is probably a dad of some sort. He's got sunglasses and a hat um, and some sort of blue shirt. There's somebody else in the picture that is very uh, kind of hard to make out. Uh, he's definitely the the predominant person. Presumably, he's the person who made this comment. Um, the name is kind of blacked out with that like kind of black marker on the uh on the film the, the picture <laughs> that you do <laughs> alex you're disrupting <laughs> your your reactions are disrupting my important <laughs> when tyler <laughs> when tyler reads me a meme i split into two people one who's already <laughs> One who's already finished the the episode of the podcast and doesn't have to deal with this anymore, and one who still has to sit through the meme description. <laughs> I never know which one I'm going to be. I I really don't. <laughs> so all right, all right. I gotta, I gotta pull it back in. <laughs> so the uh, the comment that we have here. Um, it is a, it is just a, a short comment by this guy. Um, and that comment is, it's a palm tree now. <laughs> <laughs> that was, okay. okay, that was some Norm MacDonald <laughs> levels of comedy there. Okay, I, I take back everything that I said, even though it was funny at the time. I, I respect it. This, this was, this was a good meme reading. <laughs> <laughs> I do this all for myself. And <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. Uh Thank you, Joseph. I'm saying nine out of ten. That's a good meme. Oh yeah, that's a good one. A good know, description. It, was, well it was it was sitting there at a three or a four. I didn't know what well, that yeah, was. Had a, had a given sort of thing. <laughs> I mean it 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 really uh, it was a prestige in and of itself. There, yeah, it was, it was a magic trick, you know. Next week, we're we're trading magic tricks for dreams. I've been Alex. <laughs> um, I've oh, did you want to go? Go, go for it. You you go ahead. I, I've, <laughs> I would just like to remind everyone that Arena Spalco from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is in Tar, 
and I've been Britain. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> I've been Tyler. Uh, and I'm not clever enough to make a joke here that ties into this very complex movie. Uh, you're having a good night. <laughs>